Good morning and welcome to the NBA Daily Ding. Happy Friday morning. My name is Jared Weiss. I am joined by Keith Parrish. Keith, say something fun for us. Jared, I'm happy to be here. I mean, this is one of the last few regular season nights packed full of basketball, and we got, uh, I feel like, a great night of action. We do, and I don't really care about it because we're joined by somebody who I've been wanting to get on the show for a while. His name is Jake Fisher. You've read about him on Bleacher Report. In fact, you've read him on Bleacher Report, and he is the author of Built to Lose, an exciting new book that is in stores now that you can throw your money at. Jake, how are you doing, buddy? What do you want to talk about tonight? I want to talk about your beautiful hair, and I want to talk about tanking in the NBA. These are the two most important topics that we cover here on The Daily Ding. Before we get into tanking, I want to talk about this Phoenix Suns game because they beat the Portland Trailblazers 118 to 117, which is crazy because it looked like the Blazers had beaten the Suns there right up until the end. And uh, I mean, Keith, this game was, I feel like, the one kind of great game to punctuate the end of the season. It really was a good punctuation if this is, you know, we're coming to the the finish line for the regular season. You had, it felt like epic playoff performances. I mean, you had Portland's backcourt. I mean, CJ McCollum was awesome. Damian Lillard went off, and it still wasn't enough. Uh, The Phoenix Suns scratched out the victory. There was a very exciting double dribble near the end of the game. The audacity of Devin Booker to try to dribble twice without anyone touching the ball. The referees got it, but then still the Suns pulled it out. So, yeah, it was a very fun game, very exciting game. I think getting everyone excited for, I guess, the play-in and the playoffs. This felt like both teams knew they were seeding on the line, and they gave us a good show on TNT. Yeah, Jake, we had a brief moment where everything was kind of out of whack in the universe and the stars are misaligned because we saw Carmelo Anthony make what looked like at the moment a game-winning defensive play, which has never happened in the history of sports, by the way. But there was a moment where Devin Booker gets the outlet. He's racing down the floor with a chance to go win the game late, late in like the, what was it, like five seconds left or whatever it was. And... Carmelo Anthony shows up at the half court line, gets into position, ready to take a charge, and Booker spins around him and picks up his dribble and then dribbles it again. And what was so cosmically crazy about it is that the Blazers then get the ball back, Rocco bricks both free throws naturally, and then Booker ends up drawing a foul on that kind of patented, fully extended jump shot from like 10 feet away kind of shot that he always hits. Yeah, I think this game kind of encapsulated the discussion around both teams, right? The the doubt from a lot of people if Phoenix can actually be the juggernaut that their record has appeared to be. The questions if Portland's supporting cast, you know, from CJ McCollum on down is enough to have Dame, you know, really be a contender in the West. Okay, listen, you're, you're the world's foremost expert on tanking right now. And so we're talking about the Phoenix Suns, a team that has just been just really just mired in mediocrity for so long. And then this year, finally, they've broken through with Chris Paul, Monty Williams, Booker taking the lead. Mikhail Bridges is probably better than Michael Jordan. What have you seen over the years that you think has been really fascinating? Or do you have any like fascinating tidbits from, uh, from what you've been looking into on this team? The rise of the Suns is pretty fascinating, being that ultimately, I think Ryan McDonough's front office group ended up losing their jobs for their inability to find a point guard to pair with Devin Booker. But partially that was, I think, due to, 
it started with that Goran Dragic, Eric Bledsoe, Isaiah Thomas, three-headed monster that fell apart, and then they tried to have Devin grow as a playmaker on ball, which, you know, that, that experiment ran its course, but now Devin is, is able to do what he's able to do. But, you know, the theory, I think, of tanking for a lot of small market teams is not just to get the all-stars organically through the draft, but to have all-stars that another all-star like Chris Paul would want to come join. So to that effect, this current iteration of the Phoenix Suns, I think, are a perfect example of how you can build through the draft, get a guy like Devin Booker, get a guy like DeAndre Ayton, and all-stars will want to come join them no matter if you are Phoenix. Aren't the Suns also an argument for those who think tanking is a bad idea? Because you you highlight Devin Booker. He's a later lottery pick. And then you say the Suns went through this era where they they were at the top of the lottery. They were terrible forever. They got Marquise Chris and Dragan Bender and Josh Jackson. They got absolutely nothing. And yeah, I mean, DeAndre Aiden's the number one pick, but he's not one of the most important players on this team right now. I mean, I guess depending on matchups, he might be in the playoffs. But you say they got lucky uh, with Devin Booker turning out as good as he is. You get a guy, Mikhail Bridges, a little bit later in the draft, and then you use your free agency. Maybe you shortcut the line. Some people I know have criticized. It's not an organic growth. Like, why are the Suns spending free agency signing Chris Paul when Devin Booker's still pretty young? You have DeAndre Ayton. You can still build with this young core. And now, you know, they're fighting for the number one seed. So I would almost feel like they're like an argument for the, like, the anti-tanking crowd. Yeah, I mean, they were supposed to be worse than Philly in 2013-14, and they weren't. They were that 48-win fun group with Goron and the, and the Mars Twins and Channing Fry's comeback from his heart surgery, and they never got really fully all the way to the bottom. Um, and Devin Booker only ended up in Phoenix primarily because he told me on the record for my book he refused to work out for Utah, who was picking number 12 right before them in that 2015 draft. So luck comes to play, but also you have to give credit where credit's due in in them actually selecting Devin. And I think the Mikhail Bridges trade also, like by all accounts from the reporting I've done, held Philly over the coals in terms of getting Mikhail, and they kind of strong-armed into that deal. Philly would have easily taken Mikhail Bridges, I think, if Phoenix didn't call back and say, hey, how about Zaire Smith like you were interested in beforehand? So I do give the Suns credit, at least, for, for capitalizing when the opportunity was available. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Memphis Grizzlies, they beat the Sacramento Kings 116 to 110. Keith, you are the resident grit and grind expert here. And apparently Triple J is on his way out of Memphis, even though he's like still on his rookie deal and is clearly a really good player. <laughs> right, right. I know there's a anytime you're a small market and then uh, one of the stories breaks uh, again, I, I, without any sources, rumors of the New York Knicks being interested. I'm sure the Jaron Jackson Jr. Zion RJ Barrett trio in New York in a couple years will be very, very hard for other teams to deal with. But no, I didn't put a lot of weight into that uh, that rumor. Because this is a tanking theme, let's focus on the, kind of one of the great, ta- the great inadvertent tanking teams of our generation, the Sacramento Kings, Jake. 
Yeah, I mean, I include them in the book kind of as like a cautionary tale of how to not tank. Like the Kings haven't been bad enough really to get that guy, and they obviously haven't been good enough to make the playoffs since 2006. And partially it's because of all this different infighting and different changing of directions from ownership and coaching on down. The George Carl drama is fascinating, how they forced Mike Malone out in favor of George Carl. And then, obviously, we have the whole DeMarcus Cousins blow up with him in that summer in 2015 where, you know, I have a great detail in the book where to mend the fences, George Carl, Vlade Divac, and DeMarcus are all in a high school cafeteria while the Kings players are practicing in summer league. And they're, they're having a kumbaya moment drinking iced tea out of the soda machine. They've just never been able to find a uniform direction with teams like Philly or Boston or even Phoenix even in these last couple of years where they they had a path, they had a formula, and they followed it. They've just kind of been waxing and waning and vacillating over the last you know decade or so. Well, it's funny because, I mean, you compare that to Memphis, who in this game, by the way, had 61 rebounds. Both teams had over 30 assists, which is kind of crazy. But, you know, this was a game where Kyle Anderson came through big at the end. It was kind of the reason why they got over the top. Dylan Brooks had a great scoring night. Jo- Jonas Valanciunas c- continues to have one of the best under-the-radar seasons in the league. I mean, Keith, this is kind of a team that's been incredibly consistent and kind of being stuck in the, I guess, upper half of the middle of the league. They're a team that is, I guess, ahead of schedule is the phrase everyone always uses. This is a team that didn't necessarily go the tanking route a couple years ago. They were really bad. And, you know, the second half of the season decided, yes, we are really bad. Let's uh, let's pull out the stops and lose as many as we can. But, you know, you get lucky. And I think luck plays just the biggest role. You know, you ended up with Jaron Jackson Jr. uh, at four, but then you jump up in the lottery and get John Morant, and they have those two centerpieces. But, like, Jaron's been out all year. He had kind of a bad game tonight, uh, showed some of that immaturity, getting into foul trouble, making some not-smart plays. Uh, And the Grizzlies were really struggling with a Sacramento Kings that was on its way to missing the playoffs for its 15th consecutive season. But this front office has done a great job of surrounding, you know, John Morant with just all this... I guess, I don't know what the right word is, just a supporting cast of just like very competent NBA players. You have Jonas Valanciunas, who's very, very good and somehow always under the radar, who's just put up monstrous stats recently. You have Dylan Brooks, who was a second round pick, who's really coming to his own this year and is like the spiritual leader, basically, of this team. I mean, he put up 28 shots tonight. That's right. That's his Kobe Bryant tribute. Dylan Brooks loves shooting the basketball. But yeah, I mean, they're a fun team. And, you know, whether or not they can make it into the playoffs, they're stuck in the uh, the play-in once again, just like they were last year. That remains to be seen. But, uh, I mean, they're fun. And hopefully, maybe they'll, they'll take some bigger steps in the coming seasons. Yeah, to Keith's point, that 2018-19 season, Memphis definitely had a, had a mandate to win 50 games with Marcus Saul and Mike Conley. Obviously, the injuries happen, and then they, they trademark, they rest Mike, they tank a little bit down the stretch run. People say lottery reform worked because the Knicks didn't get Zion that year, but there's a lot of executives in the league who see some, some unforeseen uh, repercussions where teams like Memphis can, they have higher chances now lower down the lottery and they can jump up to two just like New Orleans jumped up to one. And now there's that fourth drawing where the Lakers jumped from nine to four and that played a huge factor in the Anthony Davis trade. Yeah, the jumping up is one of the reasons, again, like I'm not, again, I'm not a huge proponent of tanking. I feel like there's a lot of paths to getting to success. And right now with the flattened odds, I understand that you're encouraged to tank. Like right now, the rules as written, it behooves the Thunder to lose whatever 24 of 25 games. But I still like as a fan, I'm, I operate more under, there's so much luck involved. 
and just maybe making all the right moves as far as free agency and development is way more important. And as a fan, I don't want to sacrifice like a year of like, hey, we're going to be bad this year of your life or like for the, the extreme tanking of the process Sixers. And they seem to, a lot of their fans they interact with are very excited and happy with how it turned out. And they're having a great year this year. But it's like, you gave up four years of your life. I mean, I know like you, you had fun, but uh, I feel that's weird. And I know like you can't base it on results that the, like the Grizzlies got absolutely very, very lucky. They totally reloaded. They went from the grit and grind era. And then that 2018-19 season when they were terrible, they were trying to be good. They traded two second-round picks for Justin Holiday in the season, like a very anti-Sam Hinky move. They were trying to be good, and they failed, and then they got lucky. Now they're kind of moving their way back up the mountain where a lot of these teams, like the Kings, and even other teams, like the Cavaliers or the Bulls, where like you can say you know they've done a bad job or a good job, but a lot of it is the guys they've gotten very high at the lottery, or they haven't won the lottery. Those guys haven't ended up being superstars, or like if you're the Bulls, you always end up picking seventh or whatever. All right, well, we're out of time, so we're going to have to wrap it up there. Don't forget to subscribe to theathletic.com slash ding today. Don't forget to check out our other shows on the Athletic Podcast Network. Most importantly, don't forget to do whatever Jake's about to tell you now when he plugs the book. Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed League Forever, available on Amazon, bookshop.org, Barnes & Noble, my publisher, Triumph Books. Get it uh, anywhere books are sold. I mean it when I say I'm genuinely excited to read this book. He's been working on this for a while, and uh, he is a phenomenal writer and reporter, and he's got a good head of hair, which is really all that matters in this industry. 300 original interviews. That's it? Oh, wow. Okay. That's enough to take down the uh, Persian army. All right, Keith, thank you for another great episode. We'll see you next week. Everyone, I'll be back on Monday morning with Mo Dekeel. We'll have all of your action from the final weekend of the regular season where... Either a bunch of games will be fun or nobody will care. Either way, we'll be there to talk about it. Jake, at the end of the show, everyone says the same thing. Take us out. What do I say? <laughs> <laughs>